Hi, welcome to the Penis Project podcast. This is the place to come to find out everything you've always wanted to know about men's health but were too embarrassed to ask. Join physiotherapist Dr. Joe Milios and sexologist nurse practitioner Melissa Hadley-Barrett as they talk to real men and the experts about men's private parts. Have a burning question you really want to know the answer to? Please subscribe to our website at thepenisproject.org and just ask us. The length, while the greater the strength, the more time I've got for you. There's too much talking, texting, tweeting, posting. Too much noise altogether. In silence is strength and peace and space. Imagine silence forever. The Penis Project podcast is proudly supported and sponsored by PROST, Exercise for Prostate Cancer, and the RS Health Penile Rehabilitation Program. PROST is a not-for-profit charity set up by myself in 2012 that aims to help men exercise during their experience with prostate cancer. If you want to know anything more about PROST, including our online service and USB product now available, please just go to prost.com.au. Hi, I'm Melissa Hadley-Barrett and I designed the Penile Rehabilitation Program to help men recover from prostate cancer. It's an online program built on decades worth of knowledge and experience and practice. It's the only one of its kind in the world and it actually works. So if you've been diagnosed with prostate cancer and want to get your penis working again as quickly as possible, and why wouldn't you, then visit penilerehabilitationprogram.com and you'll be off and running. And it only takes about 15 minutes a day. All the best with your recovery, which I promise will never be as bad as you think. November 11, 11am, 60 seconds, kids watch on the wall. In the pub, in the tab, in the cars. We Welcome to the Penis Project podcast. Today we have Lizzie Eastwood, who's worked at Hollywood Hospital for 17 years. She specialises in oncology and lymphedema, palliative care and rehabilitation. She's a clinical lead and an oncolo- and in oncology and a lymphedema physiotherapist at Ramsey Health Plus. And she completed further studies in advanced lymphedema and pink and steel cancer rehab and persistent pain. She's the WA Chair of Cancer Palliative Care and Lymphedema Committee of the Australian Physiotherapy Association. Uh, the reason we decided to interview Lizzie today is because if you are regular listeners, you will know that we interviewed a gentleman from um, UK a few weeks back and he had a terrible experience with lymphedema and it made me decide that it would be a good idea to reach out to Lizzie and find out how we can help people and, and what to do. So welcome, Lizzie. It's lovely to have you here today. Thank you. It's lovely to meet you and be here with you. Great. So, Lizzie, tell us about your job and how often you're seeing lymphedema in um, patients that have had like clearances. And, yeah, tell us about what you do. Sure. Um, so I'm working in private outpatients um, attached to Hollywood Hospital um, and I see a variety of um, patients, um, variety of different cancers that they've been diagnosed with. Um, and so part of that um, role is to educate people who are at risk of lymphedema, how to do um, self-care and manage those who do develop lymphedema. Um, and so a portion, a small portion of that is um, men who have had prostate cancer um, treatment um, who will develop or are at risk of lymphedema. 
The majority of patients I do see who I need to treat for lymphedema are the ones who have had breast cancer or head and neck cancer um, or gynae cancer. Um, but there is a proportion of um, patients I do see who have had prostate cancer. Yeah, okay. And how common is it, do you think, for patients to have their lymphs out in Australia? And what would the indication be for them to get them out when they have prostate cancer surgery? Sure. So it is um, a procedure. So the pelvic lymph node dissection surgery um, usually occurs at the same time as the prostatectomy. Um, and usually it's um, offered to men who have who have a higher um, high grade prostate cancer. Um, who have had more risk of having a metastasis um, or a spread into the lymph nodes, the um, localised lymph nodes in the pelvis. Um, so, it, it, I mean, they're the ones I see um, and keep an eye on. So it's hard to know exactly the proportion who do have the pelvic lymph node dissection. Um, but, yeah, certainly the ones I see have all had had that um, and like season. in your practice like how many patients in that situation roughly would you see in a week do you think I would say I see about three a week okay great. either for um, you know uh, screening so in a, a pre-op assessment or um, during their review um, or if they're needing to have some management for the lymphedema so yeah, yeah. So if someone was told, like they went to their surgeon and they said, we are going to have to take some of your lymph nodes, would you recommend that they see you pre-surgery for education? That would be ideal because um, I do think um, education is key um, to understanding, um, you know, what lymphedema is and what risks you have and what you can do to help prevent um, lymphedema. So, um, yeah, ideally, and this is what we do with um uh, ladies who have had breast cancer um, or about to have breast cancer surgery with an axillary clearance, which is the armpit lymph nodes, they um, are really recommended to also come in and have a, a little session with me, get some baseline measures, work out what their lymphatic health is before having the surgery um, and be educated on, you know, what they can do to help help their lymphatic system recover from their surgery. Yeah, great. And so what sort of advice would you give to somebody pre-surgery that they can do to like optimize their recovery and their risk of, of developing lymphedema? So yeah, the prevention strategies are really simple and a lot of it is just, you know, good healthcare really. So it's um the main things I'd I'd suggest is um really good skin care. Um, so making sure that the skin stays moisturised and hydrated and um, free from any dryness or infections or cuts or burns because um, the lymphatic system lies just underneath the skin. So a really healthy skin makes a big difference to how healthy the lymphatics are underneath. So skin care is the first thing. Um, the second thing is to keep active. Um, so exercise and movement really helps um, stimulate the lymphatic flow. Um, and um, movement of the lymph back into the heart. Um, so that's another one. Um, keeping healthy weight as well because um, a higher BMI really puts a lot, lot more load on the lymphatics and increases the risk of getting lymphedema. Um, and then um, keeping an eye, like monitoring for any lymphedema um, signs. Early signs are really important to look out for. Um, when it's recognised early and treated early, we can reverse that lymphedema. So monitoring um, for any signs of 
heaviness, tightness in the tissues or skin, reduced flexibility, um, clothes feeling tight or shoes feeling tight um, are often the early signs. Um, and then for those who are at risk, um, knowing where to go to get help. Um, so, you know, linking them in with a lymphedema physio or occupational therapist in the community. Um, there's quite a number of them and it's just knowing where they are and, and when to seek help. So the other thing I do is um, um, we have a special machine um, called the Sozo machine. It's a special machine that um, uh, can assess um, the amount of um, fluid in the tissues. So if we get a baseline before um, treatment um, starts, then we know where, you know, what their lymphatic health is at the beginning of um, before their, you know, treatment starts. So that's sort of the best practice, um, certainly for the breast cancer women, and I'm just mimicking it um, in, in the prostate cancer um, um, cohort of, of people going through treatment too. Yeah, that's great. I mean, we find the same thing. Joe and I definitely get long-term better outcomes if we've seen them beforehand. So I didn't think to ask you before, can you please just tell us what is lymphedema? Like what for, for the layperson listening, what is it? Sure, sure. So what lymphedema is, it's just um, an accumulation of excessive um, protein-rich fluid, so the lymph fluid, in the body's tissues. Um, and the reason why it occurs is when the demand for the lymphatic drainage actually exceeds the capacity of its um, of its circulation. So um, it commonly occurs um, when there's been traumatic um, a traumatic episode to the lymphatic system. So that could be through um, surgery, um, a trauma like a, a you know a broken bone or an infection. Um, and so that what that does is it damages the lymphatic um, flow, and that is the reason why it accumulates um, in a certain region. So for um, prostate-related lymphedema, um, where it will occur will be in the lower body, so anywhere from the belly button down. Okay. So because of the pelvic lymph nodes um, draining the lower body, um, when there's an interruption with that flow, then there could be lymphedema or that um, swelling somewhere along the lower body. Okay. And so does it also happen then, and excuse my ignorance, but I want our listeners to know, so it can also happen then if someone had any kind of pelvic cancer really, couldn't they? They yeah. would have to have, so they might have, I don't know, any other type of pelvic cancer that have their lymph. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. So um, it is, there is a um, incidence of it, quite a high incidence with certain gynecological cancers, um, such as cervical particularly um, and ovarian cancer. Um, you can also get it if you've had a melanoma um, um, in that pelvic area, you know, um, bowel cancer, cancer penile bowel cancer. Bowel yeah. cancer, yes, it can be. It just depends on how many lymph nodes are taken out. Mm -hmm. um, but usually, yeah, it's the larger number of lymph nodes taken out will, will increase the risk of pelvic-related um, lymphedema. Yeah. Okay. And so there's not many lymphedema specialists, is there, really? So I know it's really hard to get into them. Uh, well, there's more and more. Um, they're, out, they're out in the community, definitely. Um, and it, it is a little bit more specialised training um, on top of um, a massage therapy degree or occupational therapy or a physiotherapy 
degrees. Um, some nurses also specialise in it too. Um, in Australia, um, we have a um, an association called the Australasian Lymphology Association, and that's the best place if you Google um, lymphedema.org.au, you can find a specialised practitioner in your area. So when we've done our um, accreditation, um, we get to list ourselves on this website. Um, and so that's really the best place to find someone who has the correct accreditation to help you. Yeah, and I'll put that, for anyone listening, I'll put that link in the show notes. Um, and so, so we know what lymphedema is and yep. like when they when they first notice it, what mm. what would they see? Like mm. how would someone, I know you said that, you know, they might feel like their clothes are tight, but would they necessarily see a change in mm. the texture of, of an area or not really? Yeah. So often the early signs um, of lymphedema are quite transient. So the, the symptoms come and go. So anywhere along the lower body. So it could be the, um, the tummy, the genital area, um, you know, anywhere along either leg. Um, you can see sort of um, a fullness in the area, a tightness under the skin. Um, what I often teach my um, men and women to look out for is when they press into the area that feels a bit fuller or tighter, yeah. if you indent a thumbprint and hold it for about, you know, 20 or 30 seconds and let go, the, the um, thumbprint should naturally bounce back and, and disappear after really, you know, only a less than 10 seconds. When it's um, when there's an accumulation of lymph, which is full of protein and a bit thicker than normal um, fluid, that imprint stays. So it's what we call the pitting test. Yeah. Um, so that's a really good sign. If you're starting to feel some changes, that, that tightness or firmness or, or, you know, visible swelling, if you do that thumbprint or pitting test, that's a, that's a really good sign um, if there is starting to be some stagnant lymph in, a, in an area of your lower body. Okay. Um, the other thing I often um, will, uh, you know, get my um, patients to monitor is whether they can see visibly their veins, their, um, their little bones in their, you know, around their knees and their ankles and their hips. Um, when there's a bit of extra fluid, you're going to lose those, you know, normal contours of the body. So yeah. that's another way you can see. Um, um, yeah, so, yeah, it can come and go um, initially, um, but then when it is more persistent, that's when we really called, call it um, lymphedema, when it is. And what, what does the lymph system do in a healthy person? Like when it's normally there, what's its job? Yeah, so it's a, it's a really important system of the body. It, it works um, in tandem with the circulatory system and its um, two main functions is it's a fluid transport system. So it does um, transport all the fluid that the cells no longer need, the fluid and the waste products of, of the cells um, enter um, the area around the, uh, around the tissues and that's where the lymphatics start. And they absorb that fluid and the waste products and transport it back to the heart, um, just um, at the base of the neck. So it's a fluid transport system. It also um, is an important um, partner in in the immune system. So what it does, it also detects and destroys any pathogens or bacteria, um, and that's what the lymph nodes do. So they can filter and and detect any 
any foreign or harmful substances um, and they get filtered um, through those lymph nodes before they travel back to the heart. Um, so you, when you have had lymph nodes taken out, there is a little bit more um, risk of, um, you know, that um, opportunity for infections to harbour. Um, the other, what happens with the lymph system, it's quite amazing. It can respond and rebound um, and recover from lymph node um, removal. The other lymph nodes have to work a little bit harder. Um, but, yeah, certainly, usually it takes about 12 months after surgery for, for the lymphatics to sort of find that balance again and, and um, recover from that surgery. So usually I follow someone if they've had that surgery for 12 months mm -hmm. to make sure that that lymphatic health has recovered. Um, what's what's another thing to know about cancer treatment? If um, if a prostate um, a patient needs to have radiation, that also puts a bit more load on the lymph system. Okay. Um, it can cause scarring and trauma to the lymphatic vessels, and that puts a little bit more load on. Um, so, yeah, people who have had radiation also are at risk of, um, of getting lymphedema. Well, that's good because um, Joe just sent me a question saying, can I ask you about that? So what about oh. if someone just has radiation and they don't have surgery and radiation? Is that still a risk? I suppose you've just got to think of it's a lesser risk because um, the way that the radiation's done now, it's so targeted and, and you know, pinpointed. So um, it is less um, likely to get lymphedema. There might be um, more risk if someone is a little bit more obese um, or if they're not very mobile or if they're prone to getting infections um, or if they don't have a fantastic cardiac or, or um, circulatory system, that might actually, you know, just compound the risk of getting lymphedema. Um, but usually the primary um, uh, risk factor is that um, the number of lymph nodes taken out in the pelvis and also if it's an aggressive cancer as well. Yeah. Okay, great. And like, do you see many patients after penile cancer? I mean, I know penile cancer is rare. Yeah. Do many yes. of them get um, get lymphedema? Yeah, so with lymph with the penile cancer, usually it's the um, groin nodes that are taken out, um, and there definitely is a higher risk of getting lymphedema after um, penile cancer. Again, depends on how many lymph nodes were taken out, if both sides were taken out in the groin, um, and if they've had issues, you know, with complications after surgery, whether there's been an infection or, um, um, yeah. Yeah. extra scarring around there. So, yeah, I have definitely seen um, lymphedema after penile cancer. Yeah, okay. And so when someone comes to you, oh, wait, Joe's Joe's going to ask a question. Go for it, Joe. So I wanted to ask you, Lizzie, do you, have you had any experience with the cyber knife patients? So that's our new surgical radiation yeah. option, which yeah. um, has a lot less uh, treatment in terms of how many, but that surgical radiation, we haven't had a lot of experience, certainly not me in private practice, I've only encountered it over the last two and a half years. So given your 17-year experience, I've just wondered if you've had any more opportunity to work with cyber knife patients. Um, well, actually, I haven't seen many because the risk is lower. So, yeah. yeah, it tends to be the, you know, the patients who I was tracking in, you know, um, who've had chronic lymphedema have had the rate, you know, older style radiation, um, which has been more um, traumatic to the lymph system. So, yeah, not not recently with the new cyber knife, no. So that's promising. 
Yeah, that's very promising, isn't it? Yeah. Great. Yeah, and, and earlier, when you were just introducing Lizzie, you said that you can um, pre pre-treatment assess the health of the lymphatic system of each individual. Mm. And as a physiotherapist of almost 30 years, I would have had no idea to, oh. to how to assess that. So would really appreciate your insights on that. Yeah, absolutely. So um, we there's, there's the, a new sort of way of detecting um, subclinical lymphedema, which is um, lymphedema that isn't visible or symptomatic. So um, right. how we can, you, we can detect um, lymphedema before it actually is um, symptomatic is with um, a sozo machine. So this is a special um, electrical device. It's a bioimpedance um, spectro spectroscopy um, machine. Um, and what that does is um, when someone stands on it, um, it um, sends electrical impulses through the arms and legs. Wow. And as it goes through the body, depending on if it hits fat, muscle, water, um, it will basically analyse the composition of your body. So um, it was um, first researched and looked at um, with this sort of baseline and monitoring um, and screening process with the breast cancer patients. Um, and it's been right. so highly successful in detecting um, and reversing early signs of lymphedema before someone actually is symptomatic. So um, right. for a prostate-related lymphedema um, at-risk patient, it's the lower body, so it's the limbs um, that we're looking at. So it, it looks at the amount of lymph fluid in your right leg and your left leg. Um, and right. so it gives a, um, a, a value and compares it to the normal range. Um, ideally, if we can get someone onto this machine before their um, treatment, then we know exactly what their lymphatic system is like before they start. Um, and sometimes I detect people who have actually got a very sluggish lymph system beforehand. So we will actually start some lymphatic massage and, and you know, really get that lymphatic health as, as, as um, stimulated as possible before the surgery. And I would definitely want to follow those ones up after surgery um, to make sure that they're, you know, recovering as well as possible. Um, so, yeah, it's this new machine. It's called the Sozo um, machine, and a lot of lymphedema therapists have started to use it, um, both in the public and the private system. Oh, that's terrific. Mm. And another thought, I'm just casting myself back to my undergraduate years when I was working at King Edward Hospital in the uh, women's health uh, physiotherapy department, and I, I recall that there were several lymphedema specialists, physiotherapists there, and it was very labour intensive. They used to do a lot of massage and a lot of bandaging. Yes. And the, the patients used to receive that daily for six weeks, as I recall. Mm -hmm. It could have been bilateral in the lower limbs, but it looked very, very taxing mm -hmm. yep. um, for physiotherapists. In fact, it was probably one of the reasons I didn't pursue that myself, but it was highly specialised. Mm -hmm. And again, excuse my ignorance here, but I haven't observed or have any knowledge as to how you know hands-on that might be today, whether or not things have changed, and that it's actually a thirty-year time difference that I'd be saying that we're talking about here between me observing at King Edward what the yep. physios were doing compared to what you, your stage is right now. Yeah, 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 absolutely. So I suppose, um, so I know King Eddie now have a sozo machine. Um, so right, yep. our idea, our the way we manage lymphedema for someone who's actually having cancer treatment now is quite different than someone okay. who had it 10 years ago. So our aim is to prevent 
um, the progression of lymphedema to the stage that they um, people need bandaging and you know uh, hands-on therapy. Sure. So yes. I think um, the way we manage it is you know that early detection, early treatment with um, compression garments, um, monitoring them um, you know more regularly, getting them um, to be more active and reducing their weight has been um, a really um, uh, effective way of, of treating and reversing that early sign of swelling. Um, the more chronic people who, who um, haven't had treatment um, for whatever reason, if they have an access to lymph therapist um, or ignored it um, and things have progressed, then it is still treatable, but it's just harder to treat. We need to, to do more for it. So, yeah, we're hoping. And how, how taxing it, is it for you as a physical therapist, physiotherapist? Um, well, that. that's why I like mixing up a little bit of cancer rehab and lymphedema therapy because it is quite, mm. um, um, you know, heavy at times, especially with, mm. the, um, you know, someone with a heavy leg um, that needs to be bandaged. Um, but, yeah, I mean, yeah, you just sort of pace yourself and make sure that your day isn't... Um, you know, too labour intensive with those types of patients back to back. So, yeah, hopefully so less than it was. If Terrific. I was a patient, and I'll, I'll use a prostate cancer patient because that's, you know, what I see the most, um, yeah. but if I was a prostate cancer patient and I'd been using a pump, I've recently had a patient like this, I think I referred him to you, and I was noticing I was getting pedendal edema, Mm -hmm. um, and I went off to see a lymphedema specialist like, such as yourself. What what would I expect? Like what sort of treatment would, what, how would I expect that to go? Yes. So, to, yeah, that type of patient, um, how we would treat them normally is some hands-on therapy. So we'd be doing some um, manual lymphatic drainage. So this is a specialised type of massage which helps um improve the lymph flow um, so that congested area is um, decongested and, you know, encouraged to move into the lymph system that's working well. Um, a type of patient like that, um, we would also, we could do some um, compression garments. So, you know, wearing something that, uh, across the area that's um, congested. Mm -hmm. um, so we've got lots of different types of garments that we can use for people in these circumstances. So they might wear like a pair of really tight boxer shorts, for instance, yep. just yep. have a penis hole so they can That's weave. That's right, yep. Or um, even putting an insert, like a um, special compression pad inside um, some boxer shorts works really effectively. Um, depending if it's nice and loose fluid, um, sometimes I do some lymph taping, which draws the um, area, uh, the lymph out of the area. Um, I'll also teach, obviously, um, the um, gentlemen how to do their own lymphatic massage. So I really push a lot of um, self-management. Um, also, there's um, decongestive exercises that can really help move um, um, swelling out of the area. Okay. A lot of pelvic health, um, pelvic floor exercises you're doing, but also some trunk exercises, so moving the torso, moving... Um, stimulating the, the glute muscles and the hip, hip um, muscles. So, and deep breathing really helps as well. Um, so those types of things, um, if it's lower down in the body, then we um, might use a compression um, pneumatic pump that helps move the lymph fluid. Um, hydrotherapy is a really good um, form of exercise to help stimulate and compress and move the lymph fluid. Um, 
So is that like doing aerobics in the water or just Yeah, walking? that's it. Yeah, walking in water, doing, you know, land-based exercises just in water because the hydrostatic pressure of the water really helps compress and move the limbs, um, okay. limb fluid along. It's really effective for lower body lymphedema. And this is probably a really stupid question, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Is there any, like, medications that help? So, for instance, you know, if I have patients that have um, congestive heart failure or I might they might have pitting edema in their legs for other reason, I would yeah. prescribe a diuretic. Is that yeah. something that helps in this situation or makes it worse? It actually makes it worse. Yeah, if, yeah, because yeah. what, what di diuretics does is it actually concentrates the lymph. So it makes the protein-rich lymph fluid actually more concentrated so harder to move so it's um yeah you wouldn't use it to um get rid of lymphedema right so if there's actually no drug that at, at the moment there's no drug that actually um can um uh yeah so in that case, I think it would be important for people so like prescribers of meds such as myself to, or, you know, a, their GP or a nurse practitioner or whatever, to pay special attention to what medications they're already on. Because if they were getting their, if they were already on a, on some sort of medication for some other reason, like a diuretic, and they were getting their lymph nodes out, it would be important yep. then for us to put, connect two and two and go, these people are going to be at a higher risk of. Absolutely. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. So steroids, um, certain heart um, medication like calcium channel blockers, um, certain chemo drugs as well increases the risk of transient lymphedema. Um, so yeah, yeah, we sort of sort of have to you know stratify the risk and, and work out you know what um, impact those medications might be putting extra strain on the lymph. So Joe wanted to ask, what about the management of epididymitis, and I can never say it, and infection with lymphedema? Um, so certainly, um, you know, patients need to um, really respond quickly to any signs of um, skin infections. Um, so if there's any sign of warmth or redness or pain under the skin of the lower body, then it's really important to get that reviewed by um, a doctor. Um, and the normal course of action is to be put on antibiotics um, for a week or two. Um, as I mentioned earlier, there is a higher risk of getting an infection um, due to the, you know, the lymph nodes not working as, as um, effectively um, at clearing any um, bacteria. So, yeah. And then are there comorbidities that also make people more inclined to get lymphedema? So if you've had lymph dissect, node dissection and then also you've got type 2 diabetes or congenitive heart, you know, heart failure or something like that, are there, are there certain things that we need to be as a patient or a practitioner yeah. go, oh, this person's probably more at risk. risk. I need to pay yeah. more attention to this. Yeah. So I suppose um, if someone has some um, vascular um, disease, so if they've got chronic venous insufficiency, if their you know their circulation in their legs isn't um, isn't so great, that would be definitely um, an issue. Um, if someone is obese as well, um, that puts more load on the lymph system. Um, I mean, even I've seen patients who have had a knee replacement or a um, broken ankle twenty years before, um, which puts you know which has damaged the lymphatics, um, and maybe they were coping for twenty years. 
But then, you know, this extra load on the lymph, having um, pelvic lymph node dissection just tips them over in terms of the threshold of what the lymphatics can cope with. So um, any sort of trauma to, um, you know, the bone or, you know, and the surrounding lymphatics um, might cause, you know, a risk factor of, of developing lymphedema. If someone's had an infection or a burn, you know, a really bad um, burn um, yeah. along the lower body, um, that would be also an indication. Um, often a, a question I ask a patient preoperatively is when they are um, in heat, you know, in the summer, or when they've gone on an aeroplane, how do their legs respond? Do they get really heavy and swollen? And that's a sign that the lymphatics, you know, their health, lymphatic health is a little bit um, sluggish on the sluggish side. So that could be a, um, an indication that your lymphatics, because um, everyone's got an individual threshold um, and anatomy of their lymphatics. So that might be um, something to consider after the surgeries to take extra care. Wow. Okay, Joe sent me because she's in a noisy place. Some more questions. What's the long-term prognosis of lymphedema worsening? Um, really, the thing with prostate-related lymphedema, it's it's an area that hasn't been researched very well. So I'm guessing this because there really isn't any research long-term on, on it. Um, there's heaps, a lot more on breast cancer, um, but really. You know, I think if you can get through that first 12 months um, of, you know, after completing treatment, um, then that makes a big difference um, to your long-term outcomes. Probably for radiation therapy, the effect of, late, um, of radiation therapy on the lymphatics is a bit more latent. So the scarring and the fibrosis, the thickening of the, um, the tissues, you know, takes a bit more time to um, kind of become noticeable so usually for people who've got radiation therapy they need to be a little bit more diligent with their um, lymphatic self-care you know maybe for a couple of years I would say um, so you know there's always going to be a risk but as time goes on um, I would say that you know the risk reduces um, good okay my answer and <laughs> um, next question from Joe is we always have this question to every person we interview. Is there any comment on low yoga for lymphedema management? Yeah, yeah. So yoga is brilliant for lymphedema management um, for most of the time. Um, the, the beauty of yoga, and they've researched it in breast cancer, mm -hmm. and that's been a positive thing. So I think the, the deep breathing that you do with yoga um, really helps drive that lymphatic um, flow through your torso your abdomen and torso so that's a really positive thing um the you know the you know the um the movements and postures um really help um stretch and um, lengthen all your tissues um and um you know any scar scarring so that's that really helps move that lymph um as well the only thing i say with um People who do um, yoga, I'd sort of say go if they are returning to yoga. I just say be careful of like positions um, like the downward dog, um, where you know they are a little bit compressed in the um, um, through the you know the lower groin, um, mm. and you know really elevation is is the key for um, lower, the lower body in terms of moving the the lymph through it. 
Um, so when you're, you know, reversing that um, downward dog position, that can put a little bit more strain on the limb system. So you wouldn't want to hold the position for too long. Um, the reverse position, I'm not very... Um, yeah, so you probably to... be wanting to think about more sort of headstand. Inversion, yeah, exactly. Inversion exactly. sort of thing. Yeah. yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Uh, another question from Jojo. Is there anything someone with lymphedema should particularly avoid? But And I know I've asked you that previously, but the particular question she means is like getting bitten by mosquitoes or sunbaking and potential sunburn. Yeah. So those two things are definitely um, something to consider. Fungal infections, um, so in the groin or the, the toes, I've seen yeah. someone develop lymphedema after um, that. Um uh, the the jury's out. You know the research doesn't really show this, but um, exercising in extreme temperatures, okay. or you know saunas or spas where you're sort of sitting still, pulling that sort of um, you know blood flow, and puts a bit more load on the lymph system. Um, you know exercise is great, definitely. We always want to encourage that um, to to be active and get that muscle pump for lymphedema. But when you're returning to exercise, you just want that gradual approach. Um, so you're not going to shock the body suddenly. You want to gradually increase the resistance and the time that you're exercising after um, after surgery. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, and I think it you're sounds like the exercise, you know, doing swimming is a really good option because you yeah. have that added bonus of the water. Absolutely. And final question, uh, also from Joe. Have you noticed any, like, change in your practice after COVID? Like has it changed any, like your presentations or anything like that? Good question. Um, generally, uh, I would say that, well, through COVID, I was still seeing patients face-to-face -face, um, mm -hmm. generally. Um, I probably did um, put a little bit more emphasis on self-care, so and that was really effective. Um, so I think I probably have put more um, ownership on patients to do more at home yeah. um, as they were, you know, a little bit harder to access me. Um, generally, you know, with COVID, I, I suppose um, people, the, the screening of cancer had... Um, sometimes been delayed during COVID, not so much in Perth, but a little bit in Perth. So sometimes I've seen people present um, a little bit later with their lymphedema. So, you know, they haven't accessed um, me sooner rather than later. Um, so that's, yeah, but just, I mean, very minor change really. With COVID. Well, this has been amazing. I've learned so much, Lizzie, and I'm so grateful to you for being on the podcast and I'm sure Jojo is as well. Is there anything that we haven't talked about that you think people need to know? Um, I suppose I don't want to leave anyone feeling too down about this if they are having a pelvic lymph node dissection or radiation. Um, you know, everyone's lymphatic system is unique and, and you know, can um, cope with different thresholds of, of overload. Um, but it is a really unique system in, uh, and it can respond and recover if you give it the right support so you know it's just accessing um the right you know the right information whether that's through your prostate prostate cancer nurse or your oncologist or you know getting referred to a lymphedema therapist um, to gain that knowledge and that idea of monitoring and and keeping um, on top of self-care 
you know, it is a low risk of getting lymphedema in the lower body after prostate cancer. So I don't want to, you know, freak anyone out, um, but know that there is, um, you know, lots of resources um, and people to help if you do gain any um, signs of it. And, you know, to, to access it sooner rather than later, because we can do a lot more um, effective treatment if we get onto it early. Yeah, that was my takeaway. I think I say this all the time on this podcast, but I think that prevention is always better than cure. Absolutely. And, you know, prior preparation prevents a piss poor performance. Yep. So, And then lastly, just there are really great resources um, on the Cancer Australia um, website. Um, the You can download a resource called What to Know About Lymphedema from Cancer Australia. Okay. And then from the Cancer Council, there's a really good um, handout or a booklet as well called What is Lymphedema? So mm-hmm. that covers, you know, really good messages, current, um, you know, evidence-based um, treatment that's important to access. Um, so, yeah, those two um, websites are really good. I'll put the link to both of those as well right. in show notes. So. Thank you so much, Lizzie. I like no really, we really appreciate you coming in. And can I just say, I'm jumping back in. It seems there's lots of people who want to visit the kitchen section in IKEA today. So I had to unmute and text my questions to <laughs> Melissa. Thank you so much, Lizzie. I've actually learned a lot and realized that there's been a massive, massive in development in the last 30 years um, since my observations. And I I'm just really thrilled that you have come along and shared your wisdom. And finally, I've just been doing a little bit of my own research. The reason Melissa and I probably don't see a lot of patients either with lymphedema is in my little bit of research, it's only about 1% to 4% of men with prostate cancer who might get lymphedema. But that doesn't mean that that 1 in 25 men or you know, one in a hundred men isn't really important as well. So I think if we all educate ourselves a little bit better, patients don't have to persist with things that potentially could get worse. And you've got a huge role to play to help um, in patient care, like the wider team that we have. So it's been really informative to have your knowledge and updates. So thank you so much. Oh, it's been a pleasure. Thank you for having me. I'm going to tell you about a boy lives inside me it's been there all of my life hi i'm melissa and i hope you enjoyed the podcast this week just a reminder if you've been diagnosed with prostate cancer i've built a penile rehabilitation program just for you it's an online program packed with information exercises and advice along with proven strategies that will get your penis back in working order as quickly as possible in about 15 minutes a day If you like the sound of that, then please head over to penilerehabilitationprogram.com and you can start straight away. Or there's a link from the RS Health website. We would also love you to review and subscribe and share this podcast so we can help more men. Links to Instagram and Facebook are in the show notes. We look forward to seeing you there. So spread the word that help is available. All the best for now. Bye. I've got a boy of my own now. It fills me with pride. See him growing so fast into a man